Additional support for Heat Treat Radio is provided by the Industrial Heating Equipment Association, IEA, providers of world-class heat treat industry training and executive-level networking. IEA, celebrating 90 years of existence and on the web at www.ihea.org. Welcome to part two of this two-part series on the use of hydrogen in heat treat processes. I'm your Heat Treat Radio host, Doug Glenn, and today we're wrapping up a conversation we started last time with David Wolf of Nell Hydrogen. This two-part series is based on the content of an ebook recently published by Heat Treat Today in cooperation with Nell Hydrogen entitled Hydrogen Generation and Its Benefits for Heat Treaters. You can download a copy of the ebook by going to Heat Treat Today's website. The exact address is www.heattreattoday.com slash ebook. No hyphens, just slash ebook. You can also Bing or Google Heat Treat Today Hydrogen Ebook, and it will be among the first of your search results. As of the airing of this podcast, there have been over 100 downloads of this informative 18 page ebook. So please take advantage of this moment and go download your copy. Now in part one, we discussed some hydrogen fundamentals. Things like what purpose hydrogen plays in the heat treat process. We hit on safety issues, the processes where hydrogen is typically used, and other atmosphere generation systems and how they compare to hydrogen, as well as several other hydrogen basics. In this episode, we're going to dig deeper into several topics, including the various delivery systems available, the economics of using hydrogen, and whether or not using hydrogen might make sense for your specific heat treat application. Before we rejoin the interview, let me remind you that Heat Treat Today is one of North America's leading heat treat industry brands. Unlike any other heat treat media, Heat Treat Today targets manufacturers with in-house heat treat departments, especially in aerospace, automotive, medical, and energy, which can include oil and gas, wind, solar, or nuclear, as well as general manufacturing. Every single weekday, our editorial team posts at least one new technical or news item from the industry. If you'd like to receive our daily e-newsletter, which has only two stories, or if you'd like to subscribe to receive one or more of our monthly e-newsletters or our quarterly print editions, please subscribe by going to www.heattreattoday.com slash subscribe. We'll be glad to add you to our ever-growing list of industry leaders. So let's get back to our interview with David Wolf of Nell Hydrogen. Remember, this is part two. If you'd like to hear part one, you can simply search the internet for Heat Treat Radio Hydrogen Part One, or go to www.heattreattoday.com radio and look for David Wolf's picture. Here we go, back to the interview. Let's talk about uh, typical typical modes of delivery for hydrogen. My understanding, we're talking about bulk delivery from some of your gas companies, a generated hydrogen, which as you mentioned, could be uh, endo or exo that does produce some 
uh, percentage of hydrogen. But then also we've got uh, a, a product that you guys are offering, which is a, a hydrogen generator. So let's talk about those delivery methods just briefly, uh, maybe summarize them, advantages, disadvantages. I realize that's a big nut to crack, but let's talk about that for a minute. So while nitrogen and argon, the diluent gases, are available anywhere on Earth because they're components in the air, uh, hydrogen is only available um, by uh, generating it from a hydrogen-containing material, such as methane or from Mm -hmm. water. Um, So uh, delivered hydrogen... uh, needs to come from a from a, a hydrogen plant that may be hundreds of miles away from any particular customer um, uh, and and in most cases if you're buying hydrogen from say an industrial gas provider that hydrogen has come from a, a plant where it's made cleaned and then uh, uh, packaged or processed in a way for efficient delivery. It might be uh, liquefied or it might be compressed, and then it's trucked to thermal processing customers for storage and subsequent mm-hmm. use. Um, so uh, so your, uh, your delivered hydrogen is coming from uh, some chemical or other facility which, which may be uh, quite far away. Um, as you mentioned, Doug, there's this two uh, historically significant sources of uh, generated what I'll call blended atmospheres. Uh, tip, uh, they, they fall under the, the name generated atmospheres, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll group endo and exo together because they're really made in a very similar way, um, and then dissociated ammonia. Um, Endo and exo are made by uh, thermally cracking um, um, natural gas, um, uh, which is primarily methane. And endo and exo uh, describe uh, two very similar processes for making an atmosphere which consists of um, um, hydrogen, uh, water, uh, carbon monoxide, and carbon dioxide. And uh, the, the ratios of those gases differ whether you're using endo or exogas, but, but both gases contain all four, um, hydrogen, water, uh, CO2, and CO. Right. And as long as, as long as your process um, can utilize all four of those gases, uh, then uh, those uh, endo and exo are quite economical, uh, particularly today when um, uh, methane or natural gas is so right. cheap. Um, you don't have to be that old to remember that natural gas at one time was not Correct. so cheap. Um, I remember uh, uh, not so long ago where natural gas was uh, uh, about five times what it costs today. So there was a period of time when endo and exo were not attractive uh, in industry because of the right. cost. Now, ammonia dissociation, or DA, dissociated ammonia, uh, has been a popular and cost-effective technique for generating a kind of a general-use furnace mm-hmm. atmosphere. Um, 
where you store ammonia and then you use a heated reactor, a heated catalytic reactor, to uh, crack that ammonia into a gas which is 75% hydrogen balanced nitrogen. Um, And uh, DA has been used for uh, uh, many, many decades. And in fact, there are uh, many uh, methods which uh, have standardized on DA. Um, And uh, uh, it, it is still popular. Uh, the challenge with DA is it requires the storage of ammonia, and um, uh, ammonia is ever more unwelcome um, in uh, communities because it is um, uh, if, if it leaks, it creates a, uh, a hazardous material response incident. You've got you've got storage issues there. It's very obvious when uh, ammonia leaks. You can tell with your nose. It's a harmful yeah. gas, so you got to be very careful with it, with the storage of it. Uh, you know that's that's the point. And there's one other issue, and that is that if you if you're using DA, you can't get pure hydrogen right. because you know you're starting with a with a gas which is 25 percent nitrogen. So no matter how much you dilute it by adding pure hydrogen, it's still going to have nitrogen in it. So if you, if you want pure hydrogen for the ultimate inflexibility, uh, it can be helpful to generate pure hydrogen. Right. So the final uh, thing you asked me to talk about was, was the equipment that, that, that Nell um, uh, provides, which is electrolytic on-site generation of pure hydrogen. Right. And um, that's become uh, newly attractive because we've managed to reduce the cost, the capital cost of electrolysis equipment, mm-hmm. and we've managed to improve the energy efficiency, the hydrogen production versus the electricity used. Um, and in, in an environment where it's uh, harder and harder to store hazardous materials like ammonia or pure hydrogen, uh, it is interesting and attractive to be able to make cost-effective, process pressure, dry, pure hydrogen, which you can then custom blend into uh, whatever diluent gas you want, whether it's nitrogen or argon, in the exact ratio needed for your uh, for your parts, right? Exactly, because you're talking about the endo or exo. You've got a range there of how much hydrogen, what percentage hydrogen you can have, whether you're running rich or lean, and things of that sort. Right. And with DA, you're basically dissociated ammonia. When you're cracking, you're looking at seventy five percent hydrogen, twenty five percent nitrogen. Basically, very little, very little uh, deviation from that. With with a right. system where you're on site hydrogen generating. You're, you can dilute it uh, at whatever percentage tickles your fancy, I guess. Exactly. And, 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 and by definition, the metallurgists will uh, assist you to, to run the most dilute uh, mixture that meets your metallurgical needs mm-hmm. because that's how you save the most money right. is by diluting the hydrogen uh, as, as much as the metallurgy will allow. Right, right. 
Okay. So, so very briefly, let's talk about, for those who might not know, let's talk about the technology inside of your equipment, uh, the proton exchange membrane and things of that sort. Let's just talk very, very briefly about how it works. And then I would like to ask you about, because uh, I think a lot of our listeners would want to know, well, what kind of capacities can these systems that you, that you supply, you know, how many CFH or however you measure it, uh, how, much can you, sure. how much can you produce for a process? So first, let's talk about the technology inside mm-hmm. your equipment. Okay. Well, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's easy to explain because we've all done it in high school chemistry. Okay. Uh, uh, virtually every, every person among us in high school chemistry has used a direct current from a battery and two electrodes to crack uh, uh, water with a uh, with a acid or base in it to uh, make hydrogen and oxygen bubbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing exactly the same thing, but we're doing it on an industrial level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our equipment uses a um, an electrolyte, which is made by uh, 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 Dupont, mm-hmm. uh, to um, enable us to crack water into um, uh, hydrogen and oxygen and maintain the, the two uh, gases on uh, two different sides of a uh, solid membrane mm-hmm. that has important uh, safety advantages because the hydrogen and oxygen can never mix. Mm-hmm. So we make uh, very pure hydrogen uh, the only uh, impurity in that hydrogen is water. Mm-hmm. As manufactured in our equipment, the hydrogen is uh, wet with water. So the only purification that we do to that hydrogen is we dry it. Mm-hmm. And we dry it to the specification for uh, industrial-grade um, uh, either gas or liquid hydrogen. Uh, so it's, in, a, in essence, um, a replacement for uh, gaseous, compressed, or liquefied hydrogen that you might have delivered to your facility. Right, right. Um, the raw materials that we require are simply electricity and um, uh, deionized water. Okay. And uh, we require also cooling water for some of our larger-scale equipment. Right. The contention is that there's a, there's potential there's some real potential benefits to some uh, heat treaters by having on-site mm-hmm. uh, on-site hydrogen generation. What are the advantages? And 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 then, if I could, Dave, one question about uh, are there are there some heat treaters who shouldn't even consider using hydrogen? Getting rid of the need for on-site hazardous material storage is a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that, that's that's a, a major benefit is is uh, uh, zero hazardous materials inventory. Mm-hmm. Cost predictability um, is often even more important than having the lowest absolute cost at any point in time. With um, hydrogen generation. Uh, most of the cost is uh, in, in the capital and in the electricity that you use to to uh, to drive the equipment. 
Um, so cost predictability is is uh, is much better, uh, for example, than uh, than with ammonia or natural gas or uh, or with delivered uh, uh, hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, on-site electrolytic hydrogen generation makes pure hydrogen as compared with. Um, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, exo, endo, or DA. Right. Um, and the hydrogen that you're you're using is very, very pure. Uh, it's uh, uh, five nines five or better. So it's it's the equivalent of uh, a, a very, very pure um, uh, uh, delivered uh, hydrogen. Right. And uh, we, we uh, provide very dry hydrogen. One of the drawbacks to the generated uh, hydrogen in um, exo, endo, and DA is uh, the, those gases are not as dry. Um, so you often need a higher hydrogen level uh, in order to achieve similar uh, scavenging of, of, uh, of oxygen. Uh, people find, uh, for example, when they replace DA, with generated hydrogen and, uh, and, and nitrogen, they can often use a more dilute blend. Mm-hmm. So rather than having to use 75-25, uh, they might be able to use 50-50, right. uh, saving money. Uh, finally, um, the uh, generated hydrogen from the uh, Nell equipment is available at considerable pressure. Uh, 200 to as high as 435 PSI, Mm -hmm. that makes it easier to use a pressure-based blender to selectively blend hydrogen and nitrogen to your desired furnace atmosphere blend. How big are these systems? We have equipment anywhere from, you know, uh, four cubic feet an hour of pure hydrogen up to 19,000 cubic feet per hour of pure hydrogen. Um, the cost of the equipment is, uh, you know, goes up as you get bigger. Sure. Um, uh, I think the sweet spot for, uh, for generated hydrogen is probably uh, not to try to compete with the largest endo and exo facilities. Um, I think, uh, I, I think a, a, a thermal processor might choose to utilize a generated hydrogen for those materials and processes that require pure hydrogen or a purity of atmosphere unattainable with endo or exo. Right. Um, you know, endo and exo are really good technologies, and especially today with, with inexpensive natural gas. If you can use those, God bless you, use them. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but if if today you're using a DA or you're using a delivered hydrogen, um, then I think you you uh, might find it very worthwhile to choose a hydrogen generator, uh, which might have a capacity of of uh, uh, two hundred or four hundred or a thousand cubic feet an hour um, uh, for your process. And in doing so, you might find that, uh, as compared certainly with DA, that you can use a leaner blend and, right. and save money as well as get better process results. 
what are, what are the maintenance issues that we're seeing with uh, a on-site generation equipment? There's two types of normal maintenance required. All of our equipment is uh, uh, designed with um, uh, internal flammable gas detectors, mm-hmm. and that's important from a safety point of view. That uh, protects you from any um, uh, uh, leaks within the equipment. It also protects the facility uh, if there was any uh, flammable gas uh, in the facility atmosphere, the hydrogen generator would shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, those internal flammable gas detectors need to be um, calibrated once every three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing is uh, that that only takes 15 minutes, uh, but it is a planned, required maintenance uh uh, operation that must take place every three months uh, and takes uh, 15 minutes. And of course, we train you how to do that. Right. Um, in terms of uh, scheduled maintenance of a more involved type, our equipment is designed to be maintained once per year. Again, we train our customers to do that, or we can offer to come in and do it ourselves. Um, it's, uh, it's a kind of maintenance that is uh, very straightforward and can be uh, done by a mechanical or electrical technician. Uh, it, in, it includes replacing parts such as the water pump that have a defined lifetime. And, and we, uh, we recommend that those parts be replaced on a proactive point of view in order to eliminate um, uh, nuisance failures. Right. So, for example, a water pump might last uh, three years, 25,000 hours, for example. And really, that's it. Now, uh, like any uh, process equipment, uh, you can have uh, uh, failures, and uh, we have set up a, you know, a robust uh, service capability so that we can diagnose and get people parts as quickly as possible um, so that they can uh, uh, keep their equipment running with the highest on-stream time uh, possible, mm-hmm. yeah, especially for uh, customers in other countries. We often recommend that they have on, on hand um, a kit of parts that we call recommended spares kit, mm-hmm. which is a very cost-effective way to have the parts available that we have seen, um, you know, fail in the field so that they don't have to wait for shipped parts to show up. Right. As soon as a, a failure is diagnosed, they can put in the parts and they can be right back on, on stream. And then we can replace any parts that were uh, taken from the recommended spares kit. As you know, it takes resources to produce these podcasts, and we would like to thank the Industrial Heating Equipment Association, IEA, for their support of Heat Treat Radio. For 90 years now, IEA has been helping advance the thermal processing industry. They are well known for their on-site and online training courses covering topics like combustion, safety and standards, as well as process heating and induction heating. They also have both a fundamentals and an advanced online course that help train your technicians in the area of heat treat and thermal processing. 
AIEA is also very well known for their executive level networking opportunities, forums where leaders in the industry get together to discuss the pertinent topics of the day. In fact, did you know that 75% of the changes to the NFPA 86 standards were introduced or advocated by IEA member companies? Without the influence of these companies, who knows how much more burdensome these new regulations would be. If you, if you purchase heat treating equipment, ask your vendor if they are an IEA member, and if they're not, ask why. IEA is on the web at www.ihea.org. I next asked Dave to address the economics of the system. How does on-site hydrogen generation compare to other gas delivery systems? In terms of economics, the cost strip, you know, the, the cost of on-site generated hydrogen is really pretty, very straightforward. It's the capital cost of the equipment, the cost of the electricity and water inputs, mm-hmm. and the cost of annual maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the equipment can be a purchase or a lease. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you're acquiring equipment, of course, there's an economy of scale to consider. Sure. Small volumes of hydrogen is smaller equipment. Um, and then in that case, we find that most people find the generator capital cost for smaller users might be around $2 per 100 cubic feet. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's the capital cost of the equipment depreciation. Okay. As the size of the hydrogen generator increases, you um, uh, so you know that would be uh, tube trailer users or liquid hydrogen users. The capital cost of the equipment drops below a dollar per hundred cubic feet. Okay. So as the equipment gets bigger, the capital cost per unit of production falls. Uh-huh. Our largest ca- capacity equipment intended for very large scale manufacturing, which might be used but might be too large for most uh, thermal processors, has a fixed cost as low as twenty cents per hundred cubic feet. Uh-huh. So you can see that the the, the uh, there's economies of scale. Now the energy cost of the hydrogen. Um, uh, is most of the variable cost. Water is is almost nothing. Um, uh, depending on spe- the specific model of the system chosen, um, it costs, it, it requires between 15 and 19 kilowatt hours of electricity to make 100 cubic feet of hydrogen. So, here in the U.S. in 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 2018, the uh, U.S. industrial electrical rate was about seven cents per kilowatt hour average. Mm-hmm. So the average in the U.S. in 2018 was seven cents. If you multiply that by 15 to 19 kilowatt hours per hundred cubic feet, then you get an electric variable cost of between a dollar five and a dollar fifty three. Mm-hmm. Per hundred cubic feet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you add that variable cost to the fixed, um, and uh, your annual maintenance is somewhere between two thousand and five thousand right. dollars. Obviously, that's a bigger hit for the smaller users than for your larger users. Right, right. Altogether, the cost of hydrogen for on-site water electrolysis in the 
kind of uh, medium volume range of interest to the thermal processing industry ranges from a high at the low end of the use of about $4 a hundred to as little as $2 per hundred for users of larger volumes, say your, your liquid hydrogen users. Right, right. Best candidates for your for for on-site generation, and then are there some people who shouldn't? The best candidates for on-site hydrogen generation are are those for whom the technique, equipment, and product quality, the hydrogen quality, provide competitive advantage. So very compact equipment, zero hydrogen inventory very pure hydrogen with relatively low maintenance, highly predictable costs, and the ability to blend any hydrogen atmosphere from pure hydrogen down to forming gas are all advantages of on-site electrolysis hydrogen. Okay. We observe that captive heat treating operations often prioritize the characteristics of on-site hydrogen generation because they see a direct effect on product quality and ease of integrating heat-treating processes into their facility. Right. So they're more interested in, you know, is it is it safe, is it pure, is it easy to operate, then is it the cheapest possible hydrogen? Because the capital cost, you know, this equipment is not cheap. Uh, the best candidates for on-site hydrogen are going to use the equipment hard. The closer to 24 by 7, the less expensive the capital cost contribution to your cost strip. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so use it hard. Now, there's a few usage characteristics that, that, that argue against on-site hydrogen okay. and similarly would make endo, exo, or DA less attractive. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a temporary requirement, for hydrogen, or a batch process that that occurs irregularly, or with long time gaps between batches, mm-hmm. or you have a portable requirement, or where your actual atmosphere required might still be under development. Mm-hmm. In in all of those cases, frankly, you'd be better to start out with delivered gases, yeah. at least until you understand the requirements of the process and the scheduling for the gas use has um, settled into predictable pattern. Uh, Finally, endo, exo, and DA are really good technologies to make a hydrogen-containing atmosphere. If the cost of the atmosphere is the most important factor and the safety issues of ammonia storage and CO-containing atmospheres are acceptable, and the characteristics of the XO, endo, or DA atmosphere are acceptable to your processes. Yeah, go that well, way. Well, those may be a good choice. Dave, thank you very much. Appreciate your appreciate your time. I think it was very informative. Doug, thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, thank you for your excellent uh, uh, Heat Treat Today uh, publication. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. If you'd like to download Heat Treat Today's ebook from which much of the content of this podcast was drawn, search the internet for Heat Treat Today Hydrogen ebook or 
go to www.heattreattoday.com slash ebook. No hyphens, just slash ebook. The title of the ebook is Hydrogen Generation and Its Benefits for Heat Treaters, and it's a free download. If you have questions for David Wolf, please email me directly and I'll get you in touch with David. You can email me at doug at heattreattoday.com. Also, you should visit Nell Hydrogen's website and submit any questions or uh, product inquiries there. Their website is www.nellhydrogen.com. That's Nell with one L, N-E-L hydrogen.com. Nell Hydrogen is a global company and able to respond promptly to nearly any request in any language at any time 24-7. You can also call Nell Hydrogen here in North America at the following phone number, 203-949-8697. That's 203-949-8697. If you enjoy Heat Treat Radio, which, believe it or not, some people do, you can find more by binging or googling Heat Treat Radio. Believe it or not, will be the first thing that pops up. Additionally, if you have topics you'd like to hear covered on Heat Treat Radio, or if you'd like to advertise your Heat Treat product or service on Heat Treat Radio, please send me an email at doug at heattreattoday.com. Thanks goes to the Industrial Heating Equipment Association, IEA, for their support of Heat Treat Radio. IEA, world-class training and upper-level management networking opportunities, helping the industry succeed for the past 90 years. Online at www.iheea.org. This episode and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without express written permission from Heat Treat Today. Today's episode of Heat Treat Radio was mixed and much of the music was created by Jonathan Lloyd of Butler, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Doug Glenn. Thanks for listening.